Y'all ready? I don't think you're ready for this. We're talking about prosperity. Let me first of all say this to make sure everybody understands this. I have to sound a little arrogant to make sure that I understand you. There's a reason. There's several reasons why I took the offering um, out of the service. One, so that people would not feel bad about giving. How many have been in a service? You gave it the first service, but then you went to the second service and you felt, you know what I'm saying. And so the Bible says when it comes to your giving, it says do it in secret and the Lord will reward you openly. And it says don't let your left hand know what your right hand does. So I do that. I also did it so that people who are looking for an excuse not to come to church, they won't be able to use that one. <laughs> and so, uh, so there's several different reasons. And so as a result of that, you all know that have been here know that we never have ever done any fleecing, definitely no money lines. The only time you've seen me raise a special offering was to give it to a homeless person or a person that was in need. Y'all seen me do that. Okay. And so as a result of that, then people then understand, okay, this is a person in a ministry that if they're not doing offerings in the service, then what is going on? Well, what's going on is that we obey God at an extremely high level. It's God's ministry, not it's mine. I'm just a servant. It's real stupid that God can't finance his own program. Like I always say, every single member here at the other location and online could stop giving, and nobody gave a penny. And within a week, you would see God triple it just to prove that he didn't need anybody to give. That is a simple fact. It's something wrong when God can't, if it's his ministry, then why can't he finance it? And when you steal his ministry from him, then you got to finance it and have two and three offerings and play games and sell cupcakes and chicken dinners. And, and those people had right hearts. Don't get me wrong. But how many of you know, this is a king. When the last time you heard of a kingdom selling chicken dinners in order to advance the kingdom? Advance the kingdom, you had gold. See, he said, no. Okay. So y'all know what I'm saying. And so, so because we are, um, for today, you're going to hear the truth about tithes, offerings, and giving to the poor. And I'm telling you, you never heard this before. So let me put this in your head right now. It is a flat-out lie that God said he would kill you if you did not tithe. It's a flat-out lie, even though God wants you to tithe. But what happens is, is that people, see, let me tell you the problem, is that sometimes, as a pastor, if you're not careful, most pastors don't live by faith. Most pastors live based on the tithes and offerings that come into the church. Now, they're not allowed to just go into the back room and just grab stuff. Okay, the government mandates that a board has to set our salary. So I get a salary. If a billion dollars comes into the church tomorrow, I don't get a penny of it. If I do, I got to go to jail. You understand what I'm saying? So the government says that. Now you have a few people that are charlatans and all of that type of stuff. The same way that you get a salary at your job and your calling, it's the same way I get a salary and, and, and with mine. So when it comes to uh, 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 preachers, what happens is, is that they will then get comfortable with the fact that, okay, there's enough money coming in, the bills are paid, and I got a good salary, and I'm comfortable. And so what they do is they, they don't seek God how to advance the people out of their problems because they're just comfortable. So all they're going to say is just bring the tithes into the storehouse and, and do this, okay? And so I'm going to encourage you with something today, and that is, number one, okay, um, God does not need your little tired money. He just doesn't. Explain to me why God needs your money. He does not need a dime of your money. Giving is for your benefit, not his. And we're going to show you that today. And so, unfortunately, preachers have put people in condemnation because God is going to kill your kids and, 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 and fire you from your job. And, and I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands, but there's a lot of people in here that have not tithed or they tithe intermittently and God didn't take your kids and, and you still work in. And, and how many know? Skip the money. How many know we have disobeyed God in other areas and he kept on blessing you? 
The Bible says God causes his sun to shine on the just and the unjust. And it says the goodness of God is what causes you to stop acting a fool. So that's what the scripture says. But sometimes people, they get over in the money games. And in order to control you, they threaten you and try to put their God's name on it to make you feel bad because they won't give to their little tired church program. Okay, so that's what that's about, unfortunately. Now, there are good men to do it. There are bad men to do it. There's wolves in sheep clothing. But I'm helping you understand something because let me tell you something. Everybody in here is already a tither, whether you realize it or not. No, that wasn't a faith statement. That was an actual statement. You are all tithers, and I'm going to help you understand that, okay? <clears throat> Y'all ready? Let's read the scripture at the church that they always play along with the funeral music. Malachi 3.16. I change not, I'm the Lord. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me and I'll return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. You said, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And tithes and offerings. He didn't just say tithes, he said tithes and offerings. He said, you are cursed with a curse. He did not say he was going to curse you. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. He didn't say you robbed me. He said you robbed me and the entire nation, which lets you know it's something else. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Prove me not who hath said the Lord of hosts. If I would not open you the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing, there should not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He should not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. I'm going to go back a little bit. He said, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. That will be important. And he will not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall the stuff that you own go bad before the time, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you what? Blessed. For you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. Throw up this first graphic. Okay? Now, let me say something. Because most of you don't have this issue, but there are a lot of Christians right now in the body of Christ that have taken on a strange mentality. And, and so I'm going to read this graphic to show you what I'm talking about. Most people read what they believe. They don't believe what they read. Especially when it comes to the Bible. I can't tell me people told me. Well, you know, my pastor said, I said, I don't care nothing about you, raggedy pastor. I'm talking about the Bible. Thank you. What the book said. Well, you know, my pastor, I don't care about your pastor. When I work for the Air Such, uh, Air, Air, well, y'all don't know what Air Touch Cellular is. It's not called Verizon. I'll show you how old I am. And I walked into an argument. The sinners were on this side, and it was two Christians on this side. And they were arguing about whether or not God puts sickness and disease to teach you a lesson. The sinners couldn't comprehend this concept of a God that puts sickness on them to teach them a lesson. When I walked in, because they thought I was a reverend because I was in Bible school. When I walked in, um, they said, oh, he's a Christian. Let's ask him. When the said, no, he's going to be on the side of him automatically. I said, uh -huh, I'm not on nobody's side. I'm on the side of the word. I said, what's the issue? She said, well, I'm trying to tell them that God put sickness on you to teach you a lesson. Everybody looked. What say ye? <laughs> ye says that she is completely out of order. Right in front of everybody. I said, I ain't nowhere in the Bible. She said, yes, it is. I said, no, it's not. Right there in front of everybody. I said, show me one scripture in the Bible where God puts sickness on you to teach you a lesson. One. She just looked at me. Well, my pastor, I said, see, see what I'm talking about. I don't care about your pastor. That's what I told her in front of everybody. I said, I care about what the book says. She kept hitting me, hitting me. She got so mad, she stormed off and started. She still ain't speaking to me today. It's the word, okay? So many people study the Bible to prove their point, while others study to see God's point. 
Some people love money so much they study the Bible and look for YouTube videos looking for scriptures and teachings that justify giving God as least as possible so they can spend their money how they want on the things they want. Next graphic. You should be trying to figure out ways to give everything to God, not your minimum. Mark 28, 10, 28, Peter said, Lord, we've left everything. We've left all. And Jesus told them, no, you didn't. You just think you did because of your mentality. Because there's no man that gives up everything for me and will not receive it 100 times again before he leaves the planet. Okay? So I'm, let me tell you something. You are going to be very encouraged and relieved by the end of this teaching. Trust me. You're going to be very encouraged and relieved. Some of y'all are like, you about to ask for money. Nope. Every time I, let me tell you something. I start to joke, but every time I tell the congregation I don't need their money, the Lord does a sign and, and sends a large amount to prove that I was telling the truth. Giving this for your benefit, not his. Okay? So don't be an individual that you look for ways to study the scripture to see how you can give God the least. <laughs> That's what's going on in the body of Christ right now. They're just studying the scripture to try to prove why they don't have to give 10%. If you don't want to give it, just don't give it because he doesn't need it. And I hate to say this, but I don't either. I'm on God's system, not yours. What if all y'all lose your job tomorrow? How many know? Say, say impossible. impossible. Well, we're going to pretend all oh, y'all lose your job. Now God is like, oh, they lost their job. What are we going to do? People doing the same thing with the grace message. Well, you know, because of grace, they, preachers by the droves are teaching that because of the scripture that says where sin abound, grace does much more abound. So they take that scripture out of context and forget all of the other ones where the Bible says, should you continue in sin that grace may abound? No. But they are here teaching y'all that you don't have to pray. You don't have to read the Bible. You don't have to live right. All you do is just go to church and fellowship with your friends. That's what they're teaching because of grace. You be my guest with that one. There is a complete difference in mentality between someone who is trying to give God his best versus looking for a way to give God his least. Genesis 4, 1 through 7. Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd and Cain, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Some of them. Abel also brought a gift. The best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, watch out. He didn't say, I'm going to curse you. He said, sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Hey. And so here you have the scenario. One of the reasons why God was upset with uh, Cain is because, how I many you know Adam messed up? Okay? But after Adam messed up, they realized their mess up, but they taught their children how to obey God. This is the reason why Abel knew to give God his best, and Cain had been taught to give God his best, but he just wanted to give God his rest and not his best. And so God was just like, like I always say, God was like, my kingdom is not a bank where anything is acceptable because I didn't need it in the first place. I tell people, well, I won't get to that later. Okay, so this is for all of the deep people that's been in church for the last 80 years um, to prove to you just that tithing was before, during, and after the law. Genesis 14, 14 through 20. 
And I'm not going to read all of that. Drop down to the last verse. This is before the law even existed. Basically, Abram, he wasn't supposed to take his cousin, I mean his nephew Lot with him. Lot ended up getting kidnapped. <laughs> hey, when you went the wrong end, never mind. Lot ended, yeah, thank you. He, he gave me permission. When you're wrong, the wrong individual sometimes, you end up with trouble that you're not supposed to have. Especially if God told you to leave him alone. Okay, but his, his nephew got kidnapped and Abraham was so rich he had 318 trained fighters in his house. And it says that when that army kidnapped Lot and took all his prosperity, it says that he got his 318 servants who had already been bred for. Can you, um, I can understand. Well, first of all, if you got 318 servants, period, that's just too much. That means you got some big stuff. You know what I'm saying? You got 318 people just for war? And you go back and read this, it says that that 318 people, they divided themselves into three categories and hunted down an army and whooped their behind and took all of Lot's stuff back and took their stuff back. That's crazy. I need some people like that. I know the men in my church are already like that. You know, it's hilarious. And then the women, they getting gangster too. They Guess what the thing is on Sunday morning? Hey, I got to show you something. I'm like, uh-oh, is a bad person here? No. I just wanted to show you this new gun that I have. <laughs> One of the ladies did it this morning. She's like, come here. She's like, this is how you do it. It's just like, y'all up in here, gangster. Dang. You come to this church, we got something for the bad people on all sides. Terrorists come over here. Oh, the next scene is, we're sorry, we didn't mean to shoot you several times. I should have warned you that, everybody. Okay. okay, but look here. It says, after Abraham got all that stuff, it says Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. That's before the law even started. Let's look at Luke chapter 4. I'm Luke chapter 11. Let's look at what Jesus said. Luke eleven forty two. he was talking to, to the religious leaders. You Pharisees and hopeless frauds. That's what he called the leaders of the church back then. <laughs> For you are obsessed with peripheral issues like paying meticulous ties on the smallest herbs that grow in your gardens. Watch this, though. These matters you should do. Yet, when you unjustly cheat others, you ignore the most important duty of all, to walk in the love of God, readjust your values, and place first things first. Y'all got that? See? So what he said was, y'all putting the cart before the horse. Now, he, notice what he said. You should be meticulous when it comes to those things. He said, but you're forgetting about some of the bigger things. Matthew 23, 23. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So God wants you to be both do both. Y'all see that? Hebrews 7, 8. This is the New Testament. I just threw in a couple. See, when you look for ways not to do it, you won't see it. When you look for how you can give God your all, then he will give you the revelation. See, it's a very dangerous thing before I read this. Well, I'll just go ahead and read it. It says, and here men that die receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives forever. It's talking about Jesus. Okay. So whenever you obey God in that particular area, you're always doing this unto Jesus. Jesus made it clear in scripture. You remember when Saul was persecuting the church? He said, you wasn't doing that unto the church. You was doing that unto me. Remember what Jesus said when it comes to homeless people and people that are less fortunate? He said, whatever you do to them, you were doing it unto me. Remember what he said about people that are sick in the hospital? He said, when you visited them, you visited me. Remember what he said about people in prison? When you went and visited them in prison, he said you were visiting me. You understand what I'm saying? 
Okay. And so with the Lord, everything that you do, that's why the Bible says in all that you do, do it unto the Lord. So whatever you are unwilling to do, you're telling Jesus that you ain't worth that. And I'm going to look for what you wrote to prove that you ain't worth that. That's the hard part. This will be the hardest one you ever hear, but you're going to be blessed at the end. Everybody say amen. amen. Okay. So um, I'll do Galatians 3.13 because I'm good. Bam. Yet Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. He absorbed it completely as he became a curse in our place. For it is written, everyone who is hung up on a tree is doubly cursed. Jesus, our Messiah, was cursed in our place, and in so doing, he dissolved the curse from our lives so that all the blessings of Abraham can be poured out upon every non-Jewish believer. And now God gives us the promise of the wonderful Holy Spirit who lives within us when we believe in him. Okay. So now, again, y'all know it's a bunch of racial stuff going on in the world, and, and I'm, not, I'm not against that. You know, in regards to us addressing injustice, it should be adjusted. I was just in a meeting this past week. My wife and I were in a meeting with um, people, pastors, police officers, um, um, lawyers, and judges to discuss how we could change these things. They and Now, in Georgia, they really are making some decisions to try to make sure that this doesn't happen. I was able to hear the measures that they are put in, putting in place. And, you know, unfortunately, the media is not going to tell you that, you know, but they were really there. I'm telling you, they really, really trying. OK, but uh, why was I even let me get back to my point. I have no idea why I was sharing that with you. Maybe somebody needed to hear that to feel brighter today. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Justice. OK, but the Bible says that you either Jew or Gentile. You're not white or black. You're not Chinese or Korean. OK, you're not Indian or Pakistani. OK, those are terms that men came up with to try to make a difference. The Bible makes it clear that you are Jew or you are Gentile. Okay. Now, there's nothing wrong with chasing down your ancestry. My wife loves to do that. I don't. I don't need to be chasing down nobody that might be a serial killer, you know what I'm saying? Y'all remember that scene in Hitch when he tried to be uh, a blessing to the young girl and, you know, <laughs> no. Okay. And so, so there's nothing wrong with that. But when you just start stepping over and doing what the Hebrew movement is doing, where, where now black people let me tell you something. I don't care who are the chosen people of God. All I know is the Bible says that when I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, it says that I switched from being a Gentile to a Jew. So it didn't matter if that was your past or not. It does not matter because if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New. So you go ahead and chase down. There is nothing wrong with chasing down your African roots. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Just don't switch to the other side and be like the Hebrew guy that told my daughter, because she's half Spanish, he said, you ain't going to heaven. He told her that to her face. She challenged him on the street when she was in school. You know, same spirit as the Ku Klux Klan. Any, any teaching that excludes people always came from hell. Any teaching that exalts people above another came from hell. And any teaching, thank you, Holy Spirit, I actually did what I never do. Any teaching that focuses on the color of your skin only also came from hell. Because you are not a body. This is the camouflage for the real you. Y'all with me? So, it says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, not the blessing. Tithing is under the blessing. Okay, he redeemed us from the curse of law. That was the preliminary stuff. Y'all ready for the deep stuff now? I'm gonna prove to you that you're tithing. You're not gonna appreciate it, but but it's gonna be good. I mean, I the, when I tell you the Lord drained me yesterday 
to give people a solid answer so they would understand that God is not mad at anybody. But he gave a different type of answer so that people can understand it. I was alarmed by the number of people that hit me after service. They was like, dude, I had no idea. I said, don't worry, I didn't either. I was obeying, but I didn't. Tithing is mysterious. Psalm 50, 12, y'all ready? Here's Jesus, or here's the Lord. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you nothing. For all the world is mine and everything in it. So, if he was not, what, what did he just say? He said, I just told you that the world and everything in it. How many know there's another scripture that says all the silver and gold is mine? So if all of the silver and gold is mine, why is he just needing your stuff? You know what I'm saying? He just told you that if I need something, I'll never ask you. So apparently this thing here is for something else. Okay? Now let's read two things, and then I'll give you the answer. Leviticus 27, 30 through 34. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. If you want to buy it back, the Lord's tenth of the grain or fruit, you must pay its value plus 20%. Count off, that's a loan shark right there, boy. Count off every tenth animal. I shouldn't have called Jesus a loan shark. I'm so sorry, Lord. <laughs> I was just joking. Count off every tenth animal from your herds and flocks and set them apart for the Lord as holy. You may not pick and choose between good and bad. You may not substitute one for another. Because if you do exchange one animal for another, then both the original animal and its substitute will be considered holy, and you can't buy back either one of them. These are commands that the Lord gave through Moses on Mount Sinai. Now, that's tithe. Let's look at the second offering, and then I'll show you the point that all of you need to remember for the rest of your life. Deuteronomy 12, 5 through 6. Rather, you must seek the Lord your God at the place of worship he himself will choose from among all the tribes, a place where his name will be honored. There you will bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your sacred offerings, and your offerings to fulfill a vow, your voluntary offerings, and your offerings of the firstborn animals of your herds and flocks. How many of you know that's a lot of different type of offerings right there? Okay? Watch this. You can do this whether you are homeless or you're a millionaire. I'll prove it to you. Okay? And then Ecclesiastes 10.19. Feast is made for laughter and wine makes merry, but money answers all things. Does not answer all natural things, it answers all things. Okay. Now, y'all got that. That's normal common stuff. All right, here's where I explain what's really going on. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. <clears throat> Most of you have heard me talk about this before. Um, for some of you, it might be the first time. Um, I teach on this a lot. It's called the law of conversion. The Bible says in Hosea 4, 6, that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It's not, um, so you can, you can go to church. The, probably the main thing that I hear people say, 90% of the people who have joined this church in the last three months, they all said the same thing. This is the first time I learned anything. First time. And that's a very, very sad thing when you're looking for an answer and you can't get it from the one that's supposed to give it to you. So this is the law of conversion. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. Because of God's grace to me, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we've already laid, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. These are the six materials that your words and decisions are converted to on the other side. Gold, silver, jewels, Wood, hay, straw. The first three are the categories of three good decisions. 
the, the bottom three other categories of bad decisions. If you add fire to all six, it will burn up the bottom three, but it will only purify the top three. Y'all got that? To show you how the top three are good decisions, you also see this in Planet Earth because they're mimicking the kingdom. So we told you gold, silver, jewels. You see it in the Olympics, gold, silver, bronze. You see it in a race, first place, second place, third place. You see it in your grading system, A, B, C. A is perfect, B is good, C is acceptable. That's why the scripture says that which is acceptable, that which is good, and that which is perfect. Then another scripture says it another way, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Categories of threes. Remember Jesus said when you sow your seed properly, he said some will get 30-fold, some will get 60, and some will get 100. Those are the categories of threes. So how many know it would behoove you? One of the things I encourage you to do, do a whole Bible study and only look up the word reward. It'll freak you out. Because Jesus says, you do this, you get a reward for it. You do this, you get a reward for this. Obey God and let folk talk about you. He said, that persecution, whether you hear it or not, you get rewards for that. So when we stayed open as a church, folk was talking about us like a dog, and the Lord was blessing us like a king. Let me tell you something. When the Lord bless you, it's two things. When the Lord gives you a command, particularly when you're a leader, he doesn't tell everyone else what that command is. And guess what? When the Lord blesses you, he don't care who has a problem with it, including your grandmother who has coffee with Jesus every single morning because she thinks that she's the only one getting in. That was my grandmother. Literally. It's not a joke. <laughs> All right, let's read the rest of this. Anyone who builds, okay, we read that. But on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved because he accepted Jesus Christ as a savior. But like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So every, the Bible says you're going to give an account for every idle word that you speak. So every, how many of you know, I don't remember everything that I said yesterday, let alone last year, let alone, y'all know what I'm saying. But you need to learn how to speak well. You need to learn how to do well. You need to, and, and, and sometimes God will put you in situations so that you can produce rewards for the other side. God is interested in your eternity more than he's interested in this life, okay? But he's interested in this life also. He's made that clear. And so that's the law of conversion where you do something today and it converts to something else on the other side. And they stack it up. And when you stand before the Lord as a Christian, this only applies to Christians. This doesn't apply to unbelievers. Person is not saved. They're not even in the system yet. Okay. And so when you stand before the Lord, he's going to say, now, look, this is every single thing that you did and said every second of the day. Oh, by the way, the stuff that you did wrong when you asked the Lord to forgive you, that's wiped away, just in case you were wondering. One person said that they went still before the Lord because people, the Lord does catch people up to heaven. And the Lord was showing them their life and any area of their life where they had messed up but asked God to forgive them. They said the screen went red, not white, because the blood of Jesus Christ had blocked that out, and they didn't, okay? So it never matters when you mess up. Just ask God to forgive you and move on, okay? Okay, that's what repentance is. Repentance is changing. not saying I'm sorry. Repentance is changing. That's why Jesus said, repent. Change your way of thinking, your mind, okay? So anyway, so it's converted over to those things, and when you stand before the Lord, you're going to see this huge thing, which we don't know what it looks like, and it'll be made out of six materials. And the thing might be the size of planet Earth because it can you imagine everything that you do all day is converted to building materials and they just build this thing. And you got to stand in front of this thing 
And you might have to look at it from outer space or something. I'm just being, that's just low-level talk. But, And then you're like, that's all of mine? Yeah, that's what you build on planet Earth. Wow. Yeah, wait. Set it on fire. And only the stuff that you did and said in those top three categories, gold, silver, and jewels, is what you get a reward for. You're allowed to enter into heaven, but what you get a reward for based on how you lived on planet Earth will determine what type of mansion or home you get if you get one. It will determine what type of clothes you have access to. It'll determine what type of food you have access to. Y'all got me. I don't want to get too deep with that because I've taught that before because it's leading me to another point. So that's the law of conversion. So before I get to the tithe, let's talk about blood because I'm going to talk about two things just for a moment. I need to show you these two things to show you that everything is beyond what you can see and understand. First one is blood. Excuse me. It says both the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness need blood in order to have power in the physical realm. Now, what most people know about blood is, is that it runs through their body. Cut yourself, you bleed. Drain yourself, you die. But blood is a whole lot more mysterious. It is symbolic, it is mysterious, and it has a spiritual nature to it. Okay? And so with blood, it is used by the kingdom of God to empower itself into the realm of invincibility. That's why Jesus had to shed his blood. What is it that's so mysterious about blood that that was the only thing they could buy you back? It's not like they, had, they didn't destroy a universe. You know what I'm saying? They didn't, you, know, you got, it, it's something that y'all need to understand to show you how powerful blood is, is that Jesus didn't have any until he came to planet Earth. That's how powerful innocent blood is. That's why the dark side is always trying to kill children. Okay? Because that Jesus did not have blood Jesus did not have a physical body. A physical body was made for him to come to this realm. And it had innocent, pure blood in it. And that blood is so powerful that it could buy back every soul from the past, the present, and the future. Now, anything that God uses in that realm, Satan also uses in that realm. This is the reason why the occult needs blood to empower themselves. You understand what I'm saying? So, in the realm of the spirit, Blood is used on the light side and it is used on the dark side. Both use it to empower themselves. The problem is, is that no matter how much darkness empowers itself against light, it just can't fool with the light. There is no, there is no technology that allows darkness to creep into this room like a fog and shut these lights down. No, the only reason why darkness has power over this light, the light is off. So you understand that principle. You know, this is the reason why the Bible says the Holy Ghost searches the what? Deep things of God. Right now, we got a body of Christ that's shallow. They're not even shallow. They're just still on the edge of the pool, putting their little toes in the water to see if they should jump in. <sighs> so that's the deep things of God. So that's blood. Okay? It's used by the kingdom of light. And when you stand before the Lord, I don't know how big this thing is, and I don't know what it looks like. But when you get before God, you're going to see some beautiful type of basin. Can't even be called that. And that basin will be the blood of Jesus Christ. Whenever you ask God to forgive you of your sins, whenever you ask God to forgive you of your mess up, whenever you ask God to forgive you of whatever it is that you ask him to forgive you of, he looks at that blood and says, I have to honor their request because of this blood. Because this blood is the price for what they're asking me to do. It's already paid in advance. Y'all got that? That's why the Bible says that, you know, God will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So you understand that blood is used by the kingdom of heaven, 
Why? In order to buy back all of us. Well, the darkness is also using blood to empower darkness in order to put you all in prison. One group uses it to free you and the other group uses it to imprison you. Y'all got that? Next one is food. I am doing really wonderful today. I am a, you know what it is? It's the suit. Every time I wear a suit, brother, I calm down. Maybe because I don't want to get too out and I rip the suit. Put them suits on. Maybe that's the key to me why I stop wilding out. I come in here with some Jimmy Susan G's, man. I'm standing on top of the keyboards preaching. So that's blood. Food. Genesis 3, 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more subtle and crafty than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And he, Satan, said to the woman, can it really be that God said you should not eat from every tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees of the garden, except the fruit from the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God has said, you should not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil, blessing and calamity. That's what Satan said to them, right? We all know that they disobeyed, right? After they disobeyed, let's see what God said. He said the same thing Satan said. Genesis 3.22. And the Lord God said, look, the man has become like one of us, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to know how to distinguish between good and evil, blessing and calamity. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever, Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So I'll throw up these two graphics and then I'll explain this. Satan knew things about the different fruit trees, but Adam and Eve did not know. He convinced them to do something that would give him an advantage and limit God. Adam and Eve had no idea what was behind disobeying God and eating that fruit. They were told what was behind it, but did not know what was behind it. Now, Everything has a completely different higher level to it. So if you disobey in that particular area, things will happen that are beyond your control and your revelation and your intellect. So I just told you about blood, right? Now we got food. Now, what's very mysterious about this is, number one, Satan tricked them with a measure of truth. Okay? False religions, false prophecies, the list goes on and on. They have a measure of truth. But if one part of it is wrong, the whole thing is wrong. Always remember that. Yeah, thank you. A little leaven is making the whole thing that way. And so always remember that. If the whole statement is not true, if one part of it is off, the whole thing is off. But when it comes to this food, so he tricked them. And, and, and God agreed with what Satan said. He said, man, look, the man became just like us. The difference is Satan didn't tell them the ramifications of their decisions. That's the difference. That's how Satan gets you. He gives you the ability to think you got something, but he don't tell you what's going to happen at the end. Okay, so with this particular food, What's very interesting is, it's just amazing to me how all you saw was a piece of fruit. But how this fruit was used in the spiritual realm, let me backtrack for a moment. When God created Adam and Eve, they did not know what negativity was. They didn't know what evil was. They didn't know what wickedness was. It's not that they didn't know what it was. They couldn't comprehend what it was. So if you told them death, they don't know what death is. If you tell them fear, if you tell them lack, what's that? If you tell them depression, if you tell them anguish, if you tell them pain, they don't even have the ability to comprehend. They don't even know what the word means. Y'all don't you understand? 
because God let them know everything. I mean, think about this. God creates Adam and he wakes up instantaneously knowing everything like God. Instantaneously, like you buy a computer. Instantaneously. The only thing is God left out is we don't want him to know the dark side. We don't want him to know what evil is. How has that changed today? In the be- that's how he started in the beginning. But now God wants you to experience pain or lack. Okay. So that's how he started. I'm gonna follow me here for a second. So that's what he, he he set it up that way. So the reason why you've heard me say this before, the reason why Satan was able to get them is because all they knew was good. And here this being comes to them saying, I know something that you don't. And the only reason why God gave you that command is because he doesn't want you to know more of what he already gave you. And all they knew is that he had only given them good. So what Satan was talking about, the reason why they were so quick to obey, is because they didn't know what evil was. So they thought that what was being withheld from God from them was actually good. And since Satan knows this and God is only good, maybe Satan is right and God is wrong because all we know is the good. What they did not know is that the fruit had a mysterious nature in it where once you bite into it, it unlocks the other side of your mind. I'm trying to help you understand why stuff is not natural, it's spiritual. And, and, and you think it's natural and God and the devil know it's spiritual. So the reason why God asked you to obey, because there's other spiritual stuff that's going to happen. You obey in the natural, it activates in the spiritual, and then reactivates again in the natural. And because we think everything is normal and natural, that's why we sometimes so easily disobey, where when it comes to food, they had no idea. It wasn't about just looking at it and tasting it so you could taste good. This food is dangerous because it will unlock the other side of your mind, and you will instantaneously know everything negative. And then here's the deep part. There was another fruit tree right next to it called the tree of life. This fruit is so crazy that if you eat it one time, you can't die. So once he messed up, he eats the fruit, dies spirit. Watch this. He eats the fruit. His intellect exploded, but his spirit man died. So now they hit. So now their intellect has exploded. Because now they have information about the dark side, and now that's where the occult entered in, by the way. And now their spirit man has died. They're disconnected from God, and listen to what God said. Kick the man out of the garden. Why? Because if we let him eat that tree, he'll have to live forever in that state. Because I don't change my mind about anything. It ain't nothing wrong with the tree. It's something wrong with the man. So get rid of the man and keep the tree. You understand what I'm saying? This is the reason why it's important for you to learn these things, go to the right church, learn these things, because this is the reason why Satan always trying to get you to disobey. And the reason why God has so much mercy on you is because he knows you don't know the other side of your disobedience. Satan keeps you in just do this because of what it looks like, but you don't know what it looks like in the realm where you can't see what it looks like. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to start wearing suits more, y'all. I just, I feel the anointing as Benny Hinn says. He said, flame on. You know, that's the new thing. No, that's, oh. Flame on, I'm telling you. Man, let me tell y'all, God is not this okey-doke religious individual. Y'all think God is the coolest individual, man? That was so crazy. Just like that guy in Fantastic Four, you know, he'd always say flame on right before he fights the enemy. And I'm walking towards a dude here, flame on, and boom, I catch right on fire. And I'm just like, this is crazy. 
That was the Lord putting that invisible being in check. This ain't the one to fool with. That's all on you. That's all on you. You start running to these people on the street, somebody, because it's the age of Satan. They got their name on your, or they have your name on their forehead. My wife and I keep running into them at Walmart for some reason. One lady, she just, I went to the little burger. My Sophia wanted some hamburgers and stuff. And so I took over there and I turned around. This lady just staring at me. You know, people staring at me and I looked. You know, you, and then you look back, and I knew that look in the eyes, and I was just like, I did just like this to the lady, whatever, lady, just please. <laughs> Darkness, though, is always going to tell you what it's going to do. You ain't going to do a thing except talk. I'm sorry, you know, you, and, and with this level of darkness out here, you got to talk. I mean, no, the, uh, sometimes the lion, what he does, he just roars through the jungle just to remind everybody, just in case. Y'all little mice out here thinking y'all about to gang up on me. I mean, you can go on that safari if you want to. You out there with your walking stick and your music. You hear that roar, you're going to stop right there like, yeah, it is time to go back. I'm not fooling with this. Oh, man. So y'all got that with food. Let me give you this second. Where am I at here? I'm sorry. I lost my place. I'll find it in a second. Um, there it is. Oh, there it is. Matthew 17. No, I missed the scripture. Where's the scripture at? Oh, well. Oh. Hmm. oh well. Matthew 17, 19 through 21. Then came the disciples of Jesus apart and said, why couldn't we cast this demon out? Jesus said, because of your unbelief, for one. For truly I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of seed... You'll say to this mountain, remove from here to there, and it'll remove. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. However, this kind of demon only goes out by prayer and refraining yourself from food. Hey? Completely, not a meal plan. Here's a good graphic for you. This is how food is used. Satan convinces man to eat in order to destroy himself and mess up God's plan and purpose. God then reverses it, and God convinces man to stop eating in order to strengthen himself and mess up Satan's plan and purpose. Both of them using food. You understand what I'm saying? See, and so I'm trying to help you. Now, if it's this deep with food, <laughs> and what was the other item I talked about? Blood. Imagine how deep it is when it comes to some of the more heavier things. So, and I don't know why I lost that scripture. I know I didn't erase that scripture. Come on, man. I am moving really fast. Y'all remember when... Uh, Y'all remember when, oh, there it is. Put up 2 Samuel 21. I was moving so fast, I moved past the first scripture. 2 Samuel 21. I'm going to give the last one, and then we're done with the, we're going to go to the tithe, and then we, oh, man, I am doing wonderful today, man. We need to go leave here today and go buy me some more suits. <laughs> I just feel, damn. 2 Samuel 21.1. I hope y'all can see over here. There was a famine during David's reign that lasted for three years. So David asked the Lord about it. Quit letting stuff go by. Every little thing that's going on, ask God. And the Lord said, the famine has come because Saul and his family are guilty of murdering the Gibeonites. Now, all you saw was the people being murdered. But, but when they were murdered in the physical realm, it activated something in the invisible realm. And after it was activated in the invisible realm, when it returned back into the physical realm, it returned back as a famine on the whole country. 
How can you trace stuff like that? This is the reason why Satan wants you to disobey, because he understands that what you see is something small is bigger than the universe. Get them to obey in every single area. Get them to search, search the scriptures to find out. Always get them, get them to disobey, do the minimum. Disobey, do the minimum. Disobey, do the minimum. Y'all got that? All right. Money. Here it is. We're coming down the stretch, as they say. Y'all ready? I have two mentors in my life right now. Both happen to be Nigerian. <laughs> and my pastor. By the way, Bishop Oyedepo announced this morning that while the whole planet is shut down, he opened up 1,000 churches in a month. <laughs> while everybody else closed. This is the greatest opportunity right now. For Why y'all think our church been blowing up since everybody else shut down? I'm trying to be careful. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to take everybody else's church members. I'm just saying that's why it's too late now because once I push this button, hey, y'all know what I'm saying. So, so again, you know, and I, I, I have to be careful. I don't want me to be comical, but you know what? The church got to stop playing these games. We're behind the pulpit making people holler and scream and shout, holding the microphone this way, and won't God do it, and hold on to God, and he can, he'll change your situation around. Watch this. Won't he do it? Hey, man. Won't he do it? Hey, man. Won't he do it? Hey, man. And y'all, that's all fine and dandy. I love that type of stuff. But then when something goes down, what do they do? Same thing the world does. No unbelief, no belief whatsoever. Just, it's so crazy now, y'all. All of the other companies open and the church is still closed. I don't understand this. You talking about you part of God's kingdom and you can walk on the water and you supernatural and we not human beings. We are sons of God and we priests more than conquerors. But you know what? Oh, we don't, we don't stay closed because we're scared. And we want to keep your people safe. And, you know, we want to use wisdom. Yeah, wisdom is cold for fear. And, you know, we don't want to put any people... And any, now folk in the Bible being killed. And right now the church is scared. And the church, main, you know the main area the church is scared of? Death. She knows nothing about the other side. So she's trying to hold on to life here. My attitude is somebody die, wonderful. They went to heaven, we'll see them in a minute. And I'm going to live with them forever. But, but the mentality right now on the majority of the body of Christ is do everything normal and natural. Show me one story in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation that was normal or natural. One. So, you know, the dark side doesn't like that. They're like, here he go again. I mean, they, talk, they have expressed their frustration with us greatly. And, they, and they, we cast our demons and they tell us to our face, y'all are out of order. Am I lying? They tell Y'all are out of order. Y'all are not obeying what we want y'all to do. Right. One accused me. I said, what's the problem? He said, you sitting up here teaching your congregation members. And he said, number one, he said, you teaching them about high level stuff in heaven and then got the nerve to be exposing us. That's exactly how he told me. Because in their mind, they still think they can beat Jesus. So the same way we see them is the same way they see us. That's a high level of deception when the darkness thinks that they can overcome the light. They ain't seen nothing yet. They ain't seen a thing yet. 
Oh, we about to put on a rock and roll show that Led Zeppelin can't even keep up with. They don't even know who Led Zeppelin is. Y'all remember Kiss, the star and looking like a demonic quartet? Some of y'all in here listen to Kiss. I know you, you did it secretly, but you was like, they crazy and look like Dracula cousins, but I like that crazy acid music. It's funny what people do in secret. Okay, so anyway, so Bishop Oyedipo, then this other Nigerian gentleman, the Lord used him. What he did, he advanced to the highest level in the occult. Those that are in the occult don't even know that this level exists. Because in the occult, they keep those on the lower levels in deception to think that they're on the higher levels. Because they need your pride. So they tell you, this is the top level. And so you pride, so now you thank you there. They didn't tell you about the other levels. And the dark side is using that. And it's mimicking the kingdom of God. That's what's deep. Okay. So anyway, he got to the highest level where you can uh, talk to Satan face to face. And they do something called a soul attack where... Um, if they do this on a man of God and he is not clean and not living right, he will die within three weeks. It's high-level stuff. They, they do a formula. They snatch the pastor's soul out of him. It stands before him. They place a curse on the soul, shift it back into the body, and within three weeks he will be dead. That's what happens when you're li not living right. When you're living right, you can do what I do and say, uh, I'm still waiting on y'all to kill me. Let me know when y'all, that's how I talk to him. Let me know when you come up with a plan, dog. Because until you can learn how to kill Jesus, you'll never be able to kill me. I'm in the light. <laughs> One time I got, I, got, I, I got besides myself. I said, if you can kill Jesus, you might be able to figure out how to kill me. How many of you know I went too far on that one? That was, <laughs> that's how it is. When you know you're in the light, you, you're not, people just be throwing, throwing, just, well, I'm supposed to fall down. Remember what Elijah told them when he was fighting 400, dark, 400 men from the dark side at the same time? One dude. And they clowned everything. He said, uh, he said maybe your God is asleep. He, then he had noticed, maybe he went to the bathroom. Yeah, maybe he decided to leave and go on vacation. See, that's how you're supposed to start to the dark side when you're clean. So that guy came to church Wednesday night. I was supposed to be impressed by your little abilities. You remember that time the demon told you, you want to see a magic trick? Mara said, no, I don't want to see no doggone magic trick. They always trying to I'm not impressed by your magic trick. I told one, I said, if I want to color, I'll get a coloring book. <laughs> anyway, let me get back to the story. So, so they, now, the dude that they tried to put the hit out on, my spiritual father is Bishop Oedipo. His spiritual father is a man by the name of Benson Idahosa. <laughs> he ain't nothing to fool with at all. So, I mean, sometimes you see these YouTube these videos and, and you try to roll up on the wrong guy and the next scene is you knocked out on the, yeah. So when they called for Benson Idahosa's soul, um, they said, instead of the soul showing up, Jesus did. Wrong answer, bad man. It's not going to happen with him. And so since you were arrogant enough to try to do it against a monster like that in the spirit, I showed up because your day is over. He said, today is the day that you give your life to me. He said, and I used you as a spy on the dark side so that you could advance to the highest rank to come back 
and expose the secrets of the dark side to my children so that they can kill Satan faster. They were still going to kill him. But as a result of these secrets, now they can kill him faster. Okay, so I've been studying underneath this man. The Lord brought him across my path. And, and don't really ask me. I'll, I'll let you know in due time because his stuff is so heavy, I've had to close books. I have to study his stuff with a dictionary. I mean, the dude is. And so, but listen to what the Lord told him. First thing the Lord told him, he said, serve me in three years. Now, remember, in the spiritual realm, the terminology is different sometimes. He said, you must be faithful in three areas. Your energy, he said, your time, and your material resources. He said, with, with those three, he said, there are three subcategories of each one. Okay? Which means it's nine. That's why you have nine gifts of the Spirit. You have nine fruits of the Spirit. The nine gifts of the Spirit are for power. The nine fruits of the Spirit are for character. Okay, when you add those nine subcategories to the top three, it equals 12, which is the number of governmental standard. Okay, I'm always just throwing in stuff. I'm always expanding your intellect. So he said those three things, your energy, he said your time, and your material sources. He said, now, when it comes to your material sources, let me see if I wrote this down. Yes, put up that graphic. When it comes to money, listen to what Jesus said. He said, when it comes to money... If you want to prosper through prosperity, look at it. When it comes to money, if you want to prosper through God's prosperity, you must be faithful with tithes, offerings, and charity, which is given to the poor. If you do not give me the tithe directly, it will be taken indirectly. If you do not give it, it will be stolen from you another way. I'm explaining it in a second. First thing I want to talk about is he said, if you want if, which means it was a choice. See, so what, what Jesus was telling him is, is that you can easily prosper without God's system. If you couldn't, there would be no sinners that were rich. There are several different ways to prosper, and almost all of them are scriptural, you know, except for drug dealing and stuff like that. But even how they set up a drug system is still based on scriptural principles that have been twisted and perverted and flipped. So how many know you can start a business? You know, how many know the cigarette companies, they're getting paid. Do you think they're thinking about anything that got to do with God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, or y'all? Nope. They, all they want is your money. Okay. So, so you got many a different type of ways of prospering through diligence. You can start a business. You know what I'm saying? Just all those different type of things. You can, you can open up a salon and then get clientele in there and open up another salon. Okay. Each one of those comes with dangers. But he said, if you want to prosper... Through God's prosperity, you must be faithful with those three things, tithes, offerings, and charity, which is given to the poor. Now, let me say something to help you understand something. And that is that I don't know who gives here. I just see a bottom line. Okay? And so don't, I'm about to explain this. It's very important. I don't know who gives. I don't know who tithes. I don't know who gives offerings for the most part. Okay? But what we saw was a pattern that emerged that the individuals at the church that did those three, those were the ones that operated in financial miracles that they can't tell nobody about. And I'm explaining this in a second. So most don't tithe, and then the ones who do tithe, most of them don't give offerings, and most of those who do tithes and offerings, most of them don't do tithes, offerings, and giving to the poor. You're like, that's a lot of money. No, it's not. I'm explaining it to you in just a moment. Let me explain the rest of these first to help you understand. Now, remember, blood has a different nature, right? Food has a different nature. Next graphic. 
If you do not give your tithes to the Lord, you will by default give it to Satan. But because you never intentionally gave it to him the way you are supposed to intentionally give it to me, he then takes it another way. He, Jesus said, you will either give it to me or you will pay it to Satan. But either way, you will give it or pay it. You will give it or it will be taken another way. And the Lord began to explain to him. He said, you remember what we said? When, when, when murder happened, it went into the spiritual realm, reactivated, and it came back as a famine on the whole nation. Right? So what he explained to them is, he said, you don't have the ability to calculate how this means this. And these things mean these things. You don't have the ability to trace how this problem was as a result of this. So I'm going to share something with you you've never heard before. Both God and Satan use tithes. So he explained to him, he said, if you don't give, now you understand why Jesus said, I will rebuke the devourer. Because one of the things that he told the guy is, he said, if you don't give it to me, he said, he will find a way to take it out of your circumstances. He said, but if you do give it to me because he's a thief, I'll have to stop him from still stealing it. That's why he has to be rebuked. It's much deeper than you just giving your little money. Now you understand why I talk so arrogantly in that particular area, because I understand it's much deeper. See, now, and then begin to explain to him, he says, you can't calculate this. It is beyond your mathematical capability and intellect to understand how this works. He said, you give it to me, he said, and then I shut the enemy down. He said, because the enemy wants to take another way what you give to me so that he can use it for the dark side. So you don't give it to me, he said, and then what the enemy does is, okay, we've been, we've, we're able to calculate that if we can cause this person to be laid off for their job for six months, it will equal the 10% that they did not give to the Lord. So, it, and, and the Lord explained to him, he said, this is the reason why, <clears throat> let me slow down for it. Oh, they got all this stuff up here. He said, sometimes, now watch this, how could you calculate murder that then turns into an economic downturn. What does murder have to do with a lack of finances? See, the same way that a person could not be able to tell that their chronic illness came as a result of Satan put God. You have a chronic illness, and then the bill you got to pay from the medical institution is actually God. It's not God, it's Satan. It's Satan saying, oh, you're going to pay up. You didn't want to give it to the Lord, so we're going to take it through sickness and disease. And they calculated mathematically. When y'all remember Job, it says Job was the richest man on the east side of the planet. Listen to what Satan told God. Of course the man. He said, we can't touch him. You got a force field around this man. You got a force field around him, his family, and his property. And listen to what Satan said. He said, and the force field is on every side. We can't get to him. We can't get in. That's the reason why. So the Lord, this doesn't happen to most people. So the Lord used Job. That was a hard test. He used Job to make a point to Satan. No, I do got some folk that's untouchable. So I'm going to let you take everything. Now, everything he get up, he's going to get double. He's going to get double. And I don't know. That's a hard test right there. That's a hard test. But there are some tests that some men go through so that others can be uplifted. See, Jesus had to die in order for you to be uplifted. And then there are some men that the Lord uses in this way. They die in their personal life. Now, they get it on the back end like me, but they die so that other folk can be See, instead of coming through, it'll come through a medical bill. You end up with a hospital bill. You lose your job. He told him, he said, it'll come in the form of you're supposed to be making $18 an hour, but we keep you at 15 And he told him, he said, it won't even be me. 
He said, if you don't give it to me, he said, you have given the enemy license to then calculate it and take it into the. F How many of you know all money has a physical equivalent? All money got a physical equivalent. So the 10% represents something in the spiritual realm. So when you don't give it to the Lord, the enemy then calculates the physical equivalent. And so, well, in this particular case, uh, we need to make sure that their engine breaks down because it's going to cost them $800 to fix it. Remember what Jesus said? He said, now if you honor me with the tithe, he said, not only will I rebuke the devourer, but then he started talking about the property. It won't go bad before the time. It won't go sorrow before the time. Yeah, because he knew that if you give it to me, he said, this is the deep part. If you give it to me, the enemy is still going to try to calculate it and steal it because he's a thief. He's either going to take it or he's going to try to steal it. But when he tries to steal it, I will block him from stealing it. Otherwise, he'd take it from you even after you gave it to me. Are y'all with me? Yes. Now you understand why a lot of leaders are going to be in judgment of God because they don't even know this. They're trying to make you feel guilty because of what you don't give. And God is like, no, this is a whole lot deeper than me needing your little tired dollars. You give a billion dollars to the church, you think God is impressed. Y'all remember when Jesus was standing in front of the treasury? These pastors won't even fellowship with me because I took the offering out of the service. And I told, I told a couple of guys, I said, show me in the Bible where they had offerings in the service. I said, well, your silence is my answer. Let me help you out. I said, there's a reason why Jesus was standing in front of the building as the people walked up during the course of a normal day. And when they wanted to give, they just walked to the temple and put it in there. And what Jesus said, he said, Jesus was watching. You imagine Jesus watching what you put in? Well, he does, but, you know, he's standing there. He said, he said a bunch of rich folk were giving. And Jesus didn't have a problem with that, okay? But then um, he, said, he said this one woman walked up and she gave two pennies. He said, see that, see that chick right there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she gave more than others. How so? Because it's not the amount. It's the amount you have left over. Her sacrifice. She gave all. She only had two pennies, but she recognized that them two pennies meant something. And sometimes we get caught up in the amount. We don't think we can please God because we don't have an amount to give. Whatever. I don't care if you're homeless and all you got is a penny in your pocket. If that's what you have and you give it out the lot, man, please. So, and I just put up a few, but he said, it's calculated. So I had to go through the food and I had to go through the blood to show you that nothing is what it seems. Everything has a much, much deeper meaning, and that's why the Bible says the Holy Spirit studies the deep things of God. You give it to the Lord directly, okay? And see, again, tithing is not a money principle. God of Eden, he told them, don't touch that tree. Why? God always has something he doesn't want you to touch. When it comes to the Jewish people, he said they are untouchable. Doesn't matter that they act a fool. He said they are my chosen people. And regardless of what they do, if you bless them, they will be blessed. And then if you curse them, he said, you will be cursed. And when you give your life to me, I will then turn you into a Jewish person. Your skin color won't change, but the inside will change. And so anybody that tries to bless you, they'll be blessed. They try to curse you, they'll be cursed. Because I always have a group that's untouchable. So Christians and Jews, which are the same, you have the natural Jews, then you have the spiritual Jews in this New Testament. They are the, they are the tithe. And then what did Jesus say about the holy oil? He said the olive oil. He said that's a fruit that's untouchable. He said, you can't use it any other time. Now, it's okay for you to cook with it. He said, you can't use any other type of oil for my purpose when it comes to that. He said, that's my holy oil. God always has something that you can't touch. And it's not because it's not untouchable. It's because he has to use it a particular way for a deeper reason. What is so special about an olive oil? When you use it, 
electricity from heaven rides on it to heal an individual. What is so amazing about oil, when you use it and put it on somebody that's demon-possessed, electricity rides on that thing and drives the demon out. What is so special about that? See, when you touch five people, let them know. Well, see, when you see that all every, every Sunday, day, what you going to know about this? You've been in them services, services high. Then they got to stop that highness. And they play that Dracula music. Dun, 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 dun. Bring you all the tithe into this day. They start talking real slow. Or you got the other extreme. It's tithe and offering time. <laughs> Trying to hype folk up. Just tell the truth and seep the deeper meaning. And you, won't have, you don't have to ask. You know what's amazing? The most amazing thing? We were forgetting to do this because all of the people that's joining online, we forgot to tell them about this. And all of them would start texting us and emailing us, hey, um... I think I'm supposed to do something with my money or something and, and 10% more. It was like, oh, yeah, we forgot about that. Yeah, you can go ahead. And... I'm free, folk. I'm going to be free for the rest of my life. How about you? Okay. So you give it to the Lord. Next graphic. If you do not give the tithe to me, Satan will take it another way. If you do give the tithe to me, Satan will still try to take it. That is why I said for those who give it to me, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Y'all got that. So either way, you a Tyler. That's what I meant by that statement. Either way, you're already doing it. This is a matter of if you're going to give it to somebody or it's going to be taken by your enemy. But because of what the spiritual realm demands, you're going to give it or it's going to be stolen. I'd rather give it and be blessed versus it be stolen. And here's the deep part. Not honoring the Lord, then the devil steals it from you, and then God still blesses you. How many of you have gotten into disobedience in some other area of your life, and God kept on blessing you, kept on taking care of you? You were acting a complete fool for the devil, and he still made that money show up to pay that cable bill so that you can watch stuff that you ain't got no business watching. <laughs> I'm gonna drop kick him off the front row. He edging me on like them Baptist churches. A deacon sitting there. Come on, come on. Whenever the pastor would get off, whenever the deacon would say, "Help him, Lord," that means he was getting off track. All right, let's close this. Luke six thirty eight. Now that's tied. I'm gonna just read these two and help you put it all together. Luke six thirty eight. Give generously, and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. Okay? Now, here's how the system goes. Tithe, you get a harvest on the offering that you give above the tithe. Then you get extremism after what you give to the poor. Remember what Jesus said? He said, you should do it meticulously. Just don't get off track and think that's more important than the love of God. So I told them, well, let me just read the other one first. Okay, remember this. Some people think that when they tie, they're sowing seed. No, you're not. That activates everything. See, what was supposed to happen, you all, is this. Most of us, I know, I'm guilty of it. Most of us have tried to, in the natural, put ourselves in a position that God was trying to exalt you into. So if you had to put yourself in a position to make sure that you systematically, on purpose like a business, 
tithe, then give offering, and then set aside a small amount to give to the poor on purpose. That three th- a threefold code is not easily broken. Those things become a formula, and God exalts you into what you tried to create for yourself called debt. And it's the enemy working on our emotions to do that, knowing that it would lock us out of, because I got tired of reading all those scriptures, I'm going to pour you out a blessing and you won't have no more to receive. How many of you got room enough to receive? <laughs> I know I do. That's a whole lot of prosperity. And when you actually pay attention to what Jesus said, I'm trying to figure out, Jesus said, what, if you give it up and you do it right, he said, you're going to get 100 times as much before you die. And two of the things he said was land and property. How many of you got room for that? Then you read the people in the Bible and you look at what they had. How you got 318 servants? Do you know that 90% of the people that are named in the Bible, all they didn't have money, they were rich. Adam, Noah, Moses. Moses was a different level right there. He had a special calling. Okay, All of the kings, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the list goes on and on. Solomon, David. Solomon was already rich. He became a king. How I many know there are no broke kings? And the Bible says that his father, David, had set aside all of this wealth so that he would be filthy rich when he became king. I shouldn't say filthy rich, kingdom rich. He became rich when he became king. And the Lord said, I don't care because of what you just did. I'm going to make you more rich. The Bible says Jesus became poor so that we could be rich. Let them always say, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. This is my favorite, Romans 8, 32. If I gave you Jesus, I got a problem giving you a car. But I might have a problem with that if you don't understand the principle that if you don't give to me the correct way, it's not that we're trying to withhold from you. It's that if we give to you without you doing it right, Satan's going to come and take everything we gave to you. Yeah, I'm t- I think I need to put this message up, I think. My daughters were asking me yesterday, which one you putting up? I said, I don't know yet. I'll probably put up yesterday's. He said both. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I probably will put up both. Y'all got that. Mark 14, 7. For you will always have the poor whom you can help whenever you want. But you will not always have, you will not always have me. Proverbs 19, 7. Every time you give to the poor, you make a loan to the Lord. Don't worry. You'll be repaid in full for all the good you've done. Last one, Psalm 41, 1 through 3. God always blesses those who are kind to the poor and helpless. They're the first ones God helps when they find themselves in trouble. The Lord will preserve and protect them. They'll be honored and esteemed while their enemies are defeated. When they are sick, God will restore them. Lying upon their bed of suffering, he will raise them up again and restore them back to health. That's the promise. Watch this. So it's an activation. Okay, The tithe is part of the formula. And then the offering is part of the formula. And then the giving to the poor is the third part of the formula. And when you do all three, it won't affect your money. It's going to affect everything. So the reason why we have been in church, we've been thinking we've been obeying God, but we were doing it in part. Because we're listening to the Reverend talk about all of the stuff we're supposed to have. And then I look at my life and I don't have it. It's because the Reverend never told you that you had to do all three. So now, some are like, oh, Lord Jesus. No, what you do is... How many, see, if people want a house, you know what they do? They meticulously put themselves in a position where they plan for it. We will tell you your credit score needs to be here. You need this amount for the down payment. So guess what you do? 
You don't have that yet. So what do you do for the next few months? You put yourself in a position to be able to do it. Anything that you want to do, you put yourself in a position to be able to do it. Okay? We do that with a house. You're walking, so you need to get a car. So guess what you do? Some people get an extra job to make money. They do certain things. Y'all know, y'all understand what I'm saying? We do all of that with the stuff that we can see. So when it comes to this, it does not matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you are. Just say, go. you got to be meticulous about it. And you got to go home and you got to look at your situation and say, okay, I got to put myself in a position to be able to do this. This works whether you got a job or not. If you don't have a dime to your name, oh, you gotta, I told him yesterday, God wants this to work for you. So what you do, you go home and you say, Lord, you said in your word that you confirm the word with signs following. I don't have a dime. So I'm asking you to bless me. Be specific, 50 or $100. I want to start the process and see how this works, even though I don't have a dime to my name. Guarantee you, whatever you ask for, it will show up. When it shows up, that doesn't mean that you go out to eat. You get the $100, and you say, Lord, I'm starting the process now. I'm going to give you 10 to tithe. That's you. That's the amount you said. The offering is the amount that I say. Giving to the poor is the amount that both of us say. Because you're allowed to give what you want to the poor, but there are times when God will tell you the amount to give to the poor. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Okay? And so that's how you start. This works whether you got a job or not. It works whether or not you work in the McDonald's or you uh, are a multimillionaire. It's the same. You can all do it. It's just a matter of if you want to do it. The wonderful thing is, is that when God reveals to you the plan, now you, see, now you see there was never any condemnation attached to this. It was always about something that was much more important, and that is everybody is a toddler. You're either going to give it or it's going to be taken. And when it's taken, it'll be taken through your circumstances. And because you don't know how to trace stuff. Now, I'm not saying every negative thing that happens in your life is because of that. You understand what I'm saying? You got to have some common sense. Okay, but let me tell you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Bishop Oyedipo, let me tell you how when you do it, how much you are covered. Bishop Oyedipo said, our, our driver, Jerry, told us a story. Bishop Oyedipo, he has a driver. And so... So he was driving them, and it was a new guy. And he said that uh, they got a flat tire. And as soon as they got the flat tire, had to pull over to the side of the road, Bishop Oyedipo leaned up. Are you a tither? No, sir. You are fired. He said, because the only way that something like this can happen to me is if somebody that is attached to me has opened up a portal of disobedience because of how that, that's how deep it goes, folk. I'm letting you know. See, because how many of y'all know, whether you believe this or not, there's a disconnect somewhere. There's a huge disconnect in regards to what the Bible says we're supposed to have versus what we have. There's a huge disconnect in regards to what God was saying in the New Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 28. He said, obey all of them commandments and see if I will not make you the head and not the tail. He said, obey all of them commandments and see if you never have to borrow a dime, you'll be the one lending. And then had to know to say, if you lend to your brothers and sisters, just lend them. He said, but when it comes to the heathen, he said, charge all the interest you want. Because the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. See if I not make you the head, not the tail. Right now what we got, everybody just dragging their tail along, just trying to make it. This ain't no religion, folk. This is a kingdom, and this is a war. You know what I'm saying? 
And if you don't teach it this way, the people will never rise. The people, they, when we first started the church, pastor would tell me, you shouldn't teach the people that, that that's too high. They only rise to the level of what you teach them. They wonder why I keep getting, they can't figure out why I keep getting more because I don't hold nothing back. The only time I hold something back is if I'm still confused. <laughs> don't make no sense for me to teach something and I still don't know what it is. You know what I'm saying? I have books. I'm like, I told my wife, I got to set this down right here. This right here is confusing me. There's some stuff that's just very high. Okay. So y'all got that. So again, don't let the enemy make you feel bad because of your mistakes in this area. Because if God was going to kill you, you'd already be dead. And see, I know for a fact, see, I told, I was, I was honest with him yesterday. I, I, we have always tithed, and I will tithe to I die. I'll give to the poor in a second, but I was not doing it systematically. So we tithe, really didn't do much with offering, and every time I run into the poor, bam, 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 bam. So we have received a huge measure of success as a result of that. To be able to do it systematically, your check is $1,000. Don't be calculating $1,000. And guess what? God doesn't care if you start small. Okay, look. Okay, Lord. All right. I got $1,000. I'm going to set aside 100 for the tithe. Okay. Oh, I'm nervous, though. So I'm going to give you $5 in offering. And I'm going to give you $5. I'm going to set aside $5. And the next time I'm out, I'm going to look for somebody that I can just be a blessing to, even if it's a kid at Walmart. Now, guess what? God appreciates that versus I'm going to set aside 100 for the tithe. I'm going to set aside 100 for the offering, Jesus. And I'm going to give another $100. And guess what God is saying? Keep it. You're too scared. If you'd rather give me five versus 500, we'll roll with the five because I don't need none of it. It's based on what you want to do. You understand what I'm saying? So, <laughs> it's all right. I'm in, I'm in my business too. Okay. See, because, because, again, there are reasons why those scriptures in there where Jesus says, see that girl right there? She gave more than the rich folk. And they said they were putting in big time money. Jesus wasn't impressed because it's not about the amount. It's about where you're at and what you can do. And whether you are a millionaire or you work at McDonald's, you can do this. If you are a teenager and you are given an allowance by your parents, you can do this. You can work. This is a system that works if you do it, not based on circumstances. It's based on those who work it. And I can be honest with you. I've never heard that before. Never. Never heard that before. And now you help, but it'll help some of you. The people yesterday, they were able to locate themselves and say, okay, now I get it because I haven't been doing this. I haven't been tithing. I haven't been doing this. And I tell people, I hate to say this. If you want to give us the money, we will take it. But if you don't tithe, you should probably keep it all. I'm just being honest with you. Because the tithe activates it. And then once you give above the tithe, is that's what you get the harvest on. You don't get the harvest on something that doesn't belong to you. The rest is the 90%. And let me tell you something. One of the best examples that I heard was a guy, he said that the Lord spoke to him. A guy, he took his uh, young daughter to McDonald's. He got her a Happy Meal, which was the fries and the burger and a drink. He said, they're sitting at the table and he didn't want to eat. But then he looked at his daughter's fries. He said, can I have a fry? She said, no. He said, what? You're not going to give me a fry? She said, no. Selfish. And he realized that this is what we do to God. Gave you everything. And he don't want to give him nothing. You want to keep it all. But then guess what? Next time you go to McDonald's, you want him to then buy it all over again. And then he does because the goodness of God causes you to change. So you hear a message like this. And when you realize that you should have been dead, you realize that God covered you. And then there are times when the mercy of God kicks in because the devil will say we have calculated that what they have disobeyed to the Lord. We can now cause a physical equivalent called a car crash. And now that's not sometimes it's a real enemy. OK, that's not talking about anybody in here. Okay, give me a car crash, car crash. 
And then what the Lord would do is say, uh, no, we ain't going to let you go that far. Okay. There's a scripture in the Old Testament. It says that the Lord plans to destroy the wicked. And at the last moment, God moves the righteous out. I'm sorry. The, the enemy plans to destroy the righteous. And it says at the last moment, God moves the righteous out the way and replaces him with the sinner. Everybody that's dying didn't die of natural causes, including reverends. Because these preachers have been dropping like fries, y'all. They're keeping that real secret. These preachers dropping like fries. It's the coronavirus. Uh, no, it's called sin and disobedience. I told you to take the church toward Florida. Here you are in California talking about follow me. Hey, Lord, I'll let you get away with stuff for a while. Y'all understand that? See, if the, see, and that's what I mean by it. the Lord ain't looking for a reason to punish you and to curse you. And because and, if that was the case, y'all, we all be dead. We all be in the casket, having a funeral together. All of us dead. You know, y'all know good and well. Okay. And so, but yet they put that category, that money, like that was special to God. Oh, he, he needs your money. Uh, no. He said all the gold or silver and gold is mine. I was just letting y'all use it so you can be happy. But there is a real enemy and things are more than what they can see. They're deeper. So you got to understand things a particular way, okay? I mean, what Eudipo said, he said, the enemy uses food so that, i never forget what Eudipo said this. He said, one of the main reasons why most pastors don't tie, I mean, most pastors don't fast, he said, it's a trick of the enemy. He convinces them that they don't need to fast, and they don't realize that that's his way of stealing their destiny. Because the destiny only unfolds in its completeness as you refrain from food. This is what it means to be sold out of God. Remember what Jesus said? And this is where I close. He said, in order to follow me, he said, you're going to have to take up your cross. And then he said something that's even more weird. He said, you're going to have to count the cost. You're going to have to determine if you really want to pay this price. Now, the price and the reward for the price is wonderful. He said, but you're going to have to determine because, he said, this is going to require a sacrifice. Because this ain't no bank where everything is acceptable. This ain't no club where you can just kind of, you know, do whatever you want to do. And No, this is a kingdom. And it's a kingdom that'll never have an end. And it's a kingdom beyond your intellect. It's a mysterious kingdom because there's no end and it has no limitations. Y'all got that? Cool. Let's go ahead and stand. Woo! Oh, y'all ain't seen nothing yet. Oh, Jesus. This is what happened when you're on phase two of the ministry. Remember I told you, when you go to phase two, the Lord reveals to you things about the last phase so that you can continue on phase two. Oh, come on, Lisa.